Appreciate it. Good morning, Fieldstone Church. How are you guys doing today? Woo! It's good to be here. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Gary Solosi. Uh, my family and I are part of the launch team, dream team. Uh, excited to be with you guys this morning. Uh, special thanks to Justin for uh, allowing me to come uh, up here this morning to uh, share the message with you. Um, after all, it is Labor Day weekend and Justin needs a break, so he asked me to, to come up and share, uh, which I'm so happy and thrilled to do for you guys this morning. Uh, when I was about 16, 17, 18, my high school career, uh, I, had a, I had a job that was kind of unconventional for uh, a high school boy. Uh, I got to work in a craft store. Do we have any crafters here today? Any crafters? A couple crafters? A couple people raising their hand? Way in the back, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I like the smell of eucalyptus and lilac. I'm not exactly sure what it was. But, uh, you know... Uh, I got to uh, participate in, in a leadership uh, track that they had. They gave me responsibility, uh, kind of like department managers, uh, around the store throughout my little stint there. Uh, and uh, I got to oversee the party aisle. The party aisle was like the aisle where I got to uh, order all the plates, all the different variety of colors and sizes of plates, and all the variety of colors of sizes of tablecloths and balloons, and making sure everything was stocked and nicely neat. and and well-maintained, and uh, maybe I was doing pretty good in that because they gave me uh, the beaded section, you know, the beads. The beads are great, you know. So uh, all the different variety and colors and sizes and shapes, and, and I got to learn a lot about beads. And, um, and so I uh, was doing pretty good in that, I guess, because then they sent me to the glass section, which was a very fragile place, and, um, you know, was able to maintain, order, supply, do really well with that. The worst one I ever had to, uh, to oversee was the wicker aisle. I hated the wicker aisle because uh, part of the responsibility of being the, the head over your, your section was that you need to make sure that the floors were clean because somebody walking through in a, uh, in a shopping cart, you know, hits a, hits a little stick on the floor or they trip and then they fall and it could be your fault, you know. So that was my worst nemesis, you know, is the, is the wicker aisle. But my favorite my favorite of all time was the candle aisle. I loved the candle. Yeah, we got some candle. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, and also I forgot to tell you, uh, when I'm up here talking, I do love to have interaction. So if you can just interact with me, that just helps me all the more. Um, but my favorite was the candle aisle, you know. And one day, my mom wasn't a big uh, a candle person at home. Sometimes she'd have one here or there, you know, but I love the smell of candles. So when I'm walking down this aisle candles, uh, I'm smelling cinnamon, and I'm smelling vanilla and, and all these other different scents and flavors and things. And so one day, now I'm a teenage kid. I don't have much experience with this candle stuff, you know. I'm like... I'm picking up and I'm making sure all the candles are in the front, you know, and I'm at the, the French vanilla ones, you know. And I'm like, I take one up and I'm oh, man, I'm going to start huffing this thing, you know. Mmm, it smells so good. And I'm like, I'm like, I wonder, I wonder what it tastes like. I wonder. So I take, I'm like, ooh. It was the worst. It did not taste anything like it smelled. And so then, uh, since the way was around, I kind of put it in the back, you know, face brown, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of kept on walking. I learned my lesson that, uh, that I didn't really like the taste. I liked the smell of candles, but I didn't like the taste, didn't like the taste of them. And so uh, during my break time, I got a half hour break, 
And uh, I got to go into our little tiny break room and eat my nasty Chef Boyardee can thing. I peel all the lid off and throw it in the microwave. And, uh, and in our break room, there was a bunch of different signs, motivational signs, you know, about teamwork and team building and, and everything like that. And there was this one that stuck with me that I'll never forget. Uh, you may have seen it before. Uh, it's about three people. The people's names are everybody or everyone, someone, and no one, okay? It's about everyone, someone, and no one. And the saying went like this. There's work to be done, and there are three people. Everyone thought someone was going to do it. It ended up no one did it. So that's kind of the general theme of what we're going to be talking about today is teamwork. We're going to take a look at the screens for just a few minutes and, uh, and look at some of these memes that we've got, I think. We're going to bring up, yeah, here we go. So teamwork, share the victory, share defeat. You know, oh, that's kind of gruesome, but you know, you share the victory, you share your defeats with each other in teamwork. The next one, maybe you're like this one. I love teamwork. I can share the blame. That's maybe some of you here. I don't know. Next one is, oh yeah, this one's lovely. You know, teamwork in a nutshell. You know, everybody looking at the one guy who's doing, who's pulling all the work and them just standing by and laughing. Now, this next one, before we show this next one, uh, I'll tell you a little bit of a background. Uh, Christy and I, uh, my wife Christy, um, we got to take, in college, we were in college together, we took a British literature class. Do we like anybody that likes British literature? Okay, good. Oh, well, there's one person in the way back. I'm sorry for you. Um, uh, I hated this class with a passion. I was vehemently defiant in this class. I did not want to do any of the work. It was pointless for me to take it. It was one of those classes that I had to take to get done and graduate, and I just did not want to do this class. So we had this class project. You know, at the end of the year, you got your four or five people together, and I just was I'm anti any of this work. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And so this one girl, not my wife, who said, said well, you know what? I'll do the work, and you know what? It's fine. I love this stuff. I'm like, you're weird. So she's like, I love this stuff. I'm going to just, I'll do it. I'll do all the work, you know? And yeah, we'll get up there together as, as, a, as a group and do the presentation. And, and uh, you know, you guys just kind of stand in the back, you know, and, and I'll do the presentation. I'm like, this is awesome. This is like a dream come true. Until the point whenever the teacher started asking me questions while we were standing up there and I didn't have an answer. So this next slide is a lot like, is a lot like that situation. You know, where everyone, yay, we're all together behind this group project. But then there's that one person who's carrying the whole entire load. You get 25% credit for 100% of the work. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation before where you're carrying the workload you know, for everybody else and not everybody else participating. It's a lot of work and it's, it's a lot of pressure. Um, you know, this time of year, uh, thinking as we were driving here this morning, my girls even looked out and said, oh, look, the leaves are changing. It's getting to be fall. And uh, thinking of yesterday and Michigan's uh, sad loss, college football's uh, starting, fall is coming. And uh, I, can't, I think of places like the big house. I think of places like Little Caesars Arena. I won't say Ford Field because the Lions aren't worth going there. Um, but, uh, uh, hey, you know what? I'm a Steeler fan, so whatever. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, but I think about places like that, you know? And if you were there, part of the uh, atmosphere of going there is seeing the crowds. You know, you can really get into the game or... Uh, whenever the crowd roars at, at a great play, you know, or a bad call or something, everybody gets into it and it energizes you, doesn't it? It just energizes you, feeds you. And so 
There's an innate desire, I believe, that's wired within each of us that craves for us to be part of something bigger than ourselves. When you're one of a hundred or one of a thousand, uh, there's this excitement and there's this enthusiasm for what you're doing or what you're pursuing. And when you're one of ten, well, let's be honest. There's not so it's harder to, to be enthusiastic, to be excited about what you're doing. What if you were the only one? Man, that's that's really a struggle because you have nobody else to come alongside you and join in you, join with you in, in the enthusiasm and excitement for what you're pursuing. Same as with church. You know, if you come into a church that isn't very excited, excited the people don't aren't excited to be there, well, you know, maybe you won't be excited to be there. You know, when we think of church, a lot of the times we think about the building. We say, well, what church do you go to? Oh, well, uh, I go to Fieldstone Church. Uh, you know, the old Moose Lodge. Uh, the one on Sanford Road right next to the Monroe, Monroe, Monroe Credit Union there. We think about the location. A lot of other times uh, when people will associate with what church they go to, they, they, they uh, name drop and they say, well, uh, I go because of the pastor, as if the pastor is some type of superstar. Now, one of the things that I love about Justin is that he knows he's not a superstar. <laughs> this isn't a dig. This is not a dig. I actually told him I could have right here at this point in the message given him a dig, but I don't want to. Justin is not a superstar, and he knows it. Justin would actually probably even say, don't come based on who's speaking and who's not speaking, but come because of Jesus, right? Justin points people, he deflects people to, who Je to Jesus, and that's what I love about the guy. So when I say what church I attend, what I'm trying to say is that I'm identifying myself with that local group of, of believers, of, of Jesus followers. I'm investing in them, they're investing in me. You know, there's this great story in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 6. There's these people who come to the apostles, and they say, hey, we got a problem. There's some people in our people, in, in our circles of influence, that aren't getting all, the, all that they need for their daily living. They're getting shorted. They're not, maybe not getting any of, of what they need. We need, some, we need you guys to come and intervene in this situation. Let's look at it in Acts chapter 6, verse 2 up on the screens. It says... So the 12 gathered all the, all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So what did they do? They're like, we aren't going to be doing this. This is our job. So what did they do? They chose seven other men who could handle this responsibility. Verses 3 and 4 says, we will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. In other words, what they're saying is, we know what our area of serving the church is. To focus our attention on those, on those issues, which, by the way, are valid issues, if we focus our attention on that, it will detract from what we feel like we're supposed to be doing. So notice that also they didn't invalidate their concerns. What we learn from a passage like this is that each person here, each person that is part of the church has an area to serve, has a part to play. The church needs you. And when I say that the church needs you, what I'm saying is that it needs, 
It needs your area of passions. It needs your talents. We call them spiritual gifts. It needs those things. Not to make you feel a sense of guilt. This is not a desperate plea uh, of, out, out of guilt. But it's, but it's an urging because the church needs to experience your awesomeness. The church needs to experience how creative you are, how talented you are. The church needs to experience your areas of passion. And I know that I'm speaking for Justin here too. When we say, we want what's best for you. And by holding back, by holding back, we're not living our lives to our fullest potential. We're not living our lives to the best that we can. That's right. Some of my biggest regrets in my life come from holding back and choosing not to participate in what God's doing. I let fear of failure, personal insecurities, uh, pure laziness, fear of what others are going to say or do. I let past hurts from churches paralyze me from moving. Brian, didn't Brian do a great job with that song? I, I, he does a great job every week, right? I love that song, and I only asked him maybe two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, to see if he could do it. And uh, I think that the song really uh, captures the essence of what church experience has been uh, for a lot of us. It starts off by saying, you wait, wanting this world to let you in. Think about when you walk into a church. You stand there, you wait, waiting for somebody to come to you, wanting someone to let you in. You stand there, a frozen light in dark and empty streets, kind of paralyzed. Don't really know what to do, where to go, who to talk to. And you smile, hiding behind a God-given face. You stand there, and, and you have these passions and gifts, and you're hiding behind a facade. So many of us do it, and I do it. Each of us have been given these awesome abilities that, that by God, Let's look at some of them in Ephesians 4.11. It says, Some of us have been given special ability as apostles. To others, he has given the gift of being able to preach well. Some have special ability in winning people to Christ, helping them to trust him as their savior. Still others, others have a gift for caring for God's people as a shepherd does his sheep, leading and teaching them in the ways of God. In verse 12, why is it that he gives us these special abilities to do certain things best? It is that God's people will be equipped to do better work for him, building up the church, the body of Christ, to a position of strength and maturity. Also in Romans 12, verse 6, speaking of these gifts and these abilities, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then let him prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Down in verse 11 of Romans chapter 12, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Question for you. Do you know 
what is your special ability that God has given you to encourage the church? And are you doing it to your fullest potential? I got a story, I got a few stories, and I hope you will enjoy them this morning. Um, about, and, the, and this, this story here I want to tell you is obviously one-sided, and since I got the microphone, I get the opportunity to share my one side today. Um, about seven or eight years ago, uh, I was a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for about six years at a local church, and uh, not too far from here, when the church was going through some really hard times, and Christy and I felt like it was in our best interest to leave. And so we stepped out saying, God, we're trusting you. And uh, you're going to open some doors. We know you're going to. And it was at that time, I remember, man, I was going down the road, and Chris Tomlin just had an album come out. And it was, and it was um, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. And you guys ever hear that song before? You know, and I will follow you. And uh, I was driving down the road. Yeah, where you go, I'll go. I'm trusting in you. Yeah. You know, I had a, a high faith right at that point. I was trusting, you know. And then uh, shortly after we left that position, um, kind of feeling out and wondering what's going to happen, and, and a position opened up at a church not too far from, from where we live. And we're like, oh, man, maybe this is it. Maybe this is what God's going to do for us. He's going to open up this door. This is awesome. I got, I got an interview or two, had corresponding some emails. Man, it was great. It, everything looked like it was, it was on track, and I was going to have another a youth ministry job. Uh, let me ask, pause, hit pause for a second and ask you, have you ever been the victim of nepotism? Nepotism is when maybe somebody who um, is, is in a position of hiring and they see someone who's well qualified and can do the job, but they say, you know what, my buddy from college, he's got a son that needs a job, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire them instead. Or, um, you know what, my son actually needs a job, so instead of hiring this person over here who can do the job, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire them. Have you, has anybody ever been the victim of nepotism? Uh, not, no? Oh, okay. Well, well, a couple of you guys in the back, maybe. All right. I've been a victim of nepotism, all right? Um, so we were, so we, were, uh, uh, we were getting ready to get this job. I was hoping and praying. This seemed like the dream job for me. And then all of a sudden, some other guy who is related to somebody at this church got this job. And, man, was I ticked. I was like, are you kidding me? I was angry. Not only was I already kind of angry about the situation that we had been leaving from, but I became more angry, became more bitter, and, and jealous. And, oh, I did get a job at the church, though. It was a much less glamorous job. I remember, now here's a little bit of hyperbole, maybe, but um, I remember I was, I was working at the church one day. It was probably 8 or 8.30 in the morning, and I was outside. It was hot. It was sunny. I remember that. It was probably like an Indian summer, and I was outside pulling weeds, all right? And it was hot, and it, it was not a very glamorous job. And up the driveway comes the dude that took my place. And he gets out of his car and slings his backpack over, you know, and kind of walks into the church like he's some cool stud. And I'm like, I hate your guts. I can't believe you, you know? And I got to, and I got to push a cart of paint around the church building while I got to listen to conversations that he and his ministry friends were having about how they were making plans to do this event or that event and life change and who they were going to be meeting with and being sharpened in their ministry world. And, man, it was hard. 
I grew envious, I grew jealous, I grew bitter. Over time, I had to deal with that. Um, I eventually got to know the guy a little bit. And, oh, all right, you know, maybe he wasn't such a bad guy after all. I got to know his family some and uh, got involved a little bit with what he was doing. And, okay, he's a nice guy. I can, I can do it. It's not his fault, you know. No, it's just well, however God's doing it, you know. And meanwhile, all the while, God is reshaping me. He's giving me some new skills, new abilities that I didn't have before because of the job that I had at that church. Fast forward a couple years, the guy says to me and my family, he says, we want you to come and help launch a church called Fieldstone Church. And um, it's been an incredible ride. And the things, as I was reflecting this past summer, about how this place looked. Not, and, and don't worry, it, it, and, and I'm not trying to take the full credit here. There was a ton of people who were, who were uh, just as handy, if not more skilled than me, um, to get this place ready. You should have seen the wreck of this place was. Um, as, that you're sitting in today, this floor was nasty. You know, the walls were horrible. And along with myself, so many other talented people came inside, and I got to participate in what God was doing because of the things that he was teaching me at that last job. And now Justin has enough confidence in me, uh, and hopefully he'll continue to have enough confidence in me, uh, to get up in front of you all and speak. And so what am I saying? What am I, I'm, I'm saying that the church needs you in whatever capacity, as long as you are open and obedient, God will use you. You may not like it, but if you're obedient, God will bless it. And even I have to remember that it's not always about me. Not only does the church need you, but you need the church. And you might be saying, yeah, not quite so sure if I need the church or not. You know, we're lucky that if, if the culture accepts, if today's culture accepts the church, the church is uh, seen as outdated, irrelevant, scandalous, you know, um, they might say, we're lucky if they say, Jesus, sure. Yeah, I'll take Jesus. The church, hmm, not so much. One of, the, uh, one of our recent at home, sorry, I got a lot of stories. Uh, one of the things that, that, that Christy's watching at home right now, and I just happen to have to watch it, is World of Dance. Anybody like World of Dance? A few of you, okay. Now, not that I like World of Dance or anything, okay? I'm just saying. Oh, no, I actually do like this show, okay? It's really, really, it's really awesome. Um, I especially like the larger group dances. Um, not just because of the cool flips and the cool moves these people do, and they make their bodies do incredible, uh, crazy things in and, and these dance moves and these routines. But it's not just that, but really, it's their, if I can say the word right, it's their synchronicity. It's like seeing the same person do the same thing over and over at the same time. And it's just incredible. I tell Christy, I said, we just watched it. I said, I felt like I just watched the same person do the same thing over and over and over again. And then the judges would come up, because obviously there's, there's judges. And then and the guy said, man, I just felt like I just watched the same person do the same thing over and over again. I was like, see, I'm not the only person here, you know? I just love that, and it amazes me. And I have to ask myself, how do they get that good? I'll give you four things that make them that help them to get that good. They practice, they make mistakes, they receive coaching, and then they do it over again. They try again. 
And what, do I, what, do, what I'm trying to say is when doing life together as a church, that's practice. That's like practice. In serving together and doing life together, we're going to make mistakes. People's feelings will get hurt. The event might not go off as, as we entirely planned it to go. Mistakes are going to be remade, um, going to be made. Then after that, we receive coaching, whether that's in the form of rehashing the events of that event or seeking some type of mediation or counseling. Receive, we're going to receive some coaching, some feedback, and then we're going to get up and do it again and try again and keep going at it and keep going forward. That's how they get that good. The church needs you not. Uh, the church needs you because without her, she cannot fulfill her purpose. Okay? It's like a dance team that I watch. It's like a dance team that has a great idea. They want to do this really cool lift and flip and twist, but they don't have somebody who can do the lifting or someone who can do the flipping or twisting or even both. It can be like we have this great idea, but we got nobody to do it, any of it for us. And the church is just like that. The church needs you because without her, she can't fulfill her purpose. Check these verses out in Romans 12, 4 and 5. Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with the body of Christ. We are all parts of it, and it takes every one of us to make it complete. For we each have different work to do. So we belong to each other, and each needs all the others. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, our bodies have many parts, but the many parts make up one body. And when they're all put together, so it is with the body of Christ. We all need each other. If you look around the room, you may say, I don't know if I need that person over there, but you do. You do. When we don't engage the church, we tend to keep to ourselves. What happens when we, when we keep to ourselves, when we isolate ourselves? For a lot of successful people, for a lot of talented people, they're successful, they're more successful, or they're, they're more talented when they surround themselves with other people who will enhance that ability in them. But alone, as we're going to see in a video here in just a second, alone, their weaknesses become way more obvious. Check out this video. Make my wish come true. Christmas <laughs> you make my wish come true I'm just gonna keep on waiting woo, 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 woo. You, 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 you you I hear those bells ringing won't you please bring my baby to me so make my wish come true you I guess my question is, Mary, Miriam, can you do runs like that? <laughs> Someone who's as talented, who's, who's award-winning as she is, as Mariah Carey, when isolated on a performance such as this one, man, her, she, obviously we couldn't hear the music, music, you know, but when we isolate her voice, 
Uh, her weaknesses are on full display in this performance, right? The same is with the church, is that when each of us are isolated, the church's weaknesses are on full display. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. You know, like most guys who come to the church, uh, I claim that I need, I say that I need guys to hold me accountable. I say that I need guys in my life who are going to sharpen me to become a better dad, to become a better husband, to become a better follower of Jesus. I say those things. And, you know, uh, in the past, with the best intentions, my wife has really tried to encourage me to get involved uh, in different types of things like that. Um, unsuccessfully, you know, she has given up and um, has recognized that it needs to be my choice. It needs to be m my choice to get to step out and get involved. And what I see about myself as I'm the one in my family who's responsible to set the spiritual temperature in my family, okay? And uh, I have to be the one asking myself, who in my life, who, who am I interacting with? Who am I engaging with? Who is who's sharpening me? Who's investing in me? Um, I have to realize, as the song said, you wait, waiting for the world to, to let you in. I have to realize that nobody's going to come to me. I have to have enough desire for Jesus and church community uh, or in my life. I have to have enough of that desire that's going to make me want to go out and seek it out myself. Uh, a couple years ago, I came across this passage in Proverbs 18 that really, and I don't read the King, New King James Version, but when I came across this passage, uh, it really, really rocked me. Uh, 18, Proverbs 18.1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. You know, I've heard it said before that a man wrapped up in himself makes a very small package. Right? A man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. He's not interacting with anybody else. Other reasons that we need the church. Proverbs 27, 17, you may have heard. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens, so one person sharpens another. Ecclesiastes 4.10, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is what? In real trouble. Let me ask you real quick. These verses right here, do these verses sound like a physical location? Do these verses sound like who the pastor is? Nah, thank you. <laughs> no, they don't sound like, sound like any of those things. They sound like relationships. They sound like people interacting with each other. One person needing another person. A couple years ago, I had a friend from college, my roommate in college. I got to be in his wedding. Uh... Uh, he didn't ha really have, I mean, he's a friend, but really we never got anywhere other than really surface, surface deep, and I've known him for a really long time. And it came to our attention that he's been having an affair on his wife. And man, was I angry. And uh, I had to confront him. I was the one who had to confront him on the issue. And hoping that this would turn things around for our relationship and maybe taking it deeper um, I had a lot of things to deal with, and uh, I don't know if he ever knows it, but he will now, is that a couple years ago when this happened, um, one of the people, pretty much the only person besides my wife I turned to was Justin. I said, man, he, as, a, as a prayer covering over me and covering my heart and my mind and helping me to help him.
These verses talk about relationships and people interacting with each other and how we each need each other. They're saying that it takes grit. It takes getting to know other believers, serving alongside them, allowing them to sharpen you and you sharpening them. It's not about isolating ourselves, insulating ourselves from hurt and stepping out and becoming involved. So whatever the reason is, maybe in past you might be thinking about yourself, about your special abilities, your giftings that God has given you and your involvement in in church, uh, whether it is or not. Um, Whatever the reason being, whether it be insecurities, fear, maybe it's sin. Maybe you've served the church before and you feel like you've been burned and that you haven't taken that step of risk uh, and stepping out and, and serving. I can't encourage you enough. We serve the church. It comes down to this. We serve the church because we've been served. Right? We serve the church because we've been served. If I look at it, Jesus left the comforts of heaven. He became a servant king to the point of taking our punishment for our sins on the cross so that you and I can be part of God's kingdom. You know, it says something about the king, about the king of kings. When he comes to, when he came to the earth to serve and not be served, that says something about that type of king. And that's the type of king that I, that I have. Love drove him to the cross. Love led him to sacrifice everything. And without that same type of love of Jesus in us, we're no better than the Moose Lodge. We're no better than just a club of people who are here to do good things. It's not about doing good things, though. That's not the point. The point of Christianity is that no matter how good we are, we can't be good enough because how good is good enough. God's love can't be earned by doing good things. When we decide to let the love of Jesus in, our lives are changed. As Justin shared, families' lives are being changed. The kingdom of God is built, and glory is given back to God. And you and I get to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Back to the song that that Brian shared with us. The end of fear is where we begin the moment we decide to let love in. So what is your special ability? What is your, in church world, the church talk, what is your spiritual gift that God has given you? You can check out those verses later on in the week. I encourage you to. Ephesians 4, Romans 12, and 1 Corinthians 12. And are you using your abilities to give God your best? You know, I'm usually in the kids' area on Sunday mornings, so I don't get to see all the traffic and people that come through here. Um, But there's people that come through here every Sunday who need a friendly smile to greet them, whether it's from the parking lot through coming through the doors. There's babies here that need an example or that need someone who can care for them and hold them. There's kids in the kids' area that, that need adults who are going to be able to lead them like Jesus. There's people here that we need who can make a mean cup of coffee. (laughs) There's musicians that we need who can usher in an atmosphere of praise and worship. Amen, right, Brian? (laughs) What I'm trying to say is find your area of interest. Justin already touched on it, so I'm going to try to to be quick here. Growth track. Growth track is where you can take, uh, you can learn in Growth Track 101 about the history of Fieldstone, who we are, 
where we've come from, where we're going. And then in Growth Track 201 through 401, you will be able to, to find out how God made you, how he's wired you, what some of your special abilities are that God has given to you, and how you can put those into practice for the encouragement and the building up of the church. If you go to fieldstonechurch.org slash growth track, uh, you'll be able to see the dates, uh, upcoming dates in the fall for, for those. We'd love for you to be part of that. And as Justin also mentioned, we're having two services. This place is uh, getting full, which is a great thing. Praise God for that. But we need people who are going to be able to step up and put their gifts into practice. I want to encourage you, if you've been around Fieldstone any, for any length of time, we'd love to talk to you about getting involved. My hope, again, is that you don't see this as some type of desperate plea to get involved, but rather because we want what's best for you. The, tur- the church doesn't just need you, but you need the church. Who's sharpening you? Who's there to help you when you stumble? Our closest relationships come from when we interact with people whom we're serving alongside of and who we're engaging in small groups and relationships. As we let the love of Jesus transform us, we begin to look more and more like Jesus, who himself gave his life in exchange for ours. It's the love of Jesus that breaks down our walls and activates it, energizes our spiritual gifts. And then there's a synergy that builds, a working together that enhances your personal experience, my personal experience, when we come together for God's glory. That's right. So in a second here, I want to I ask you guys, if you would do me a favor this morning, stand with me. I want to pray for you. It's my prayer today that you'd be encouraged and challenged, that you would take a risk and join in where God's moving. I'd like to take a minute and pray for those of you here today. Maybe you've never let the love of Jesus in your life ever. You'd say, you know what? I can't be involved. I'm not good enough. That's the truth. You're not. Neither are any of us. Jesus is good enough. And if you accept him into your life, it's his, it's his sacrifice on the cross that washes away your past and gives you a new beginning, a new fresh start in life. I also want to pray for those, you may be here today, and you, rec- you may recognize that, that um, your love for Jesus your, is that you, you may recognize that your pursuit of Jesus is reflected by your love for Jesus. And I want to pray that you would increase your desire for Jesus and in turn, increase your pursuit of Jesus. And lastly, I want to pray this morning that God was going to raise up individuals to serve his church, to serve the world with Jesus' love and that it will all point back and bring glory back to God. Jesus, this morning we come together. I thank you, God, for this place called Fieldstone. We gather together to lift up the name of Jesus, to worship you. And Jesus, today, if there's someone here who's never allowed the love of Jesus in their life, that they would break free from the fear. They would let go and believe and trust in you as their Savior, accepting your sacrifice on the cross and receiving forgiveness and accepting a new life that you can only give them. Jesus, I also pray for those that are here today who may be seeing that maybe we're just not loving you enough. Maybe we need to find different ways to love you better. 
And in turn, God, that it would increase our desire to, to go after you more, to serve you in different ways. And also, God, I want to pray that others would be raised up in this place to step out in faith, to serve the church, to serve the world outside this church in Jesus' name. Amen. You may receive this morning a, a connection card in your program. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you've uh, made a decision today, say, you know what, I let Jesus in my life uh, for the first time or maybe again, write it down. Drop it off in that little black box on the info center. We're not going to come knocking on your door. Don't worry. But we want to connect with you somehow and say, hey, we got it. Thanks for letting us know. We were praying for you and engage you in a conversation how we can best walk alongside you. Um, you know, there was a study that was done. Um, you know, if you know anything about horses, anybody that might be a horse person here, there's a, there's a horse called a draft horse. You may have seen these horses in fields throughout history. They have been known to um, pull plows and carry heavy loads. And research was done on these types of horses, big muscular be beasts. Research was done on these horses that one horse alone can pull 8,000 pounds. That's a lot of weight. So they decided to say, oh, you know what? Let's get another one. Let's yoke it up to the next one. And, and you know, if one's pulling 8,000, how much do you think the second one's going to pull? 16, right? Double, right? Nope. It pulls 24,000 pounds, three times the amount. When we get together, what my point is, is that when we get together, when individuals find their place within the church, the church receives its blessing and God is glorified. Find your place, get connected, and you will experience unbelievable growth that will transform you, your family, and your world. Thanks for being here today, everybody. I hope you have a great holiday weekend. Love to see you back next week. Have a great weekend.